there was a study on cord blood of infants. So babies that were just born, they checked the cord blood for toxic chemicals. And in this study in 2001 in Canada, they found 200 plus chemicals in the cord blood of infants that were born like pristine into the world. They shouldn't have a toxic load, right? Well, that was 20 plus years ago that babies were being born into the world with toxic loads. So how much worse is it now? Have you been struggling with epic amounts of brain fog? Maybe just a couple of weeks or months ago, you weighed a specific amount and over the course of a very short period of time, you've gained a significant amount of weight. Today, we're talking about the impact that chemicals can have on both our brain and our weight and so much more. We're going to talk about how many chemicals the body can actually handle and some of the signs that point to chemicals being an issue. If you are constantly dealing with symptoms, you're not really sure where to turn. Perhaps today's episode will give you that glimmer of hope that you're looking for. We're going to be talking about water, air quality, food, and ongoing exposures. And there's even a little conversation at the end around mycotoxins and mold. Our guest today is Dr. Jill Carnahan. She's known as your functional medicine expert. She's a prominent global keynote speaker and a prolific writer sharing her knowledge on stage and in podcasts. With over a decade of producing popular content, her articles can be found in journals, newsletters, books, and on her website, jillcarnahan.com. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Jill Carnahan. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hi, Dr. Jill. How are you? Great, Leanne. Good morning and so happy to be here with you. Yes, I'm so glad. There's so many places we could take this conversation because you're a woman of many talents and you've done a lot of things professionally and personally. There's so many places we could go. I would love to just start off by learning a little bit about how you got started in this work and what continues to light you up on a daily basis. Sure. So I grew up on a farm in central Illinois, you know, the most idyllic place in the world. I was one of five children and my mother was a retired nurse who retired to help raise the family and life was great. And I knew I wanted to be a healer. I looked at all kinds of different types of healing practices, acupuncture, physical therapy, osteopathy, chiropractic, ended up applying to regular medical schools. And it was funny because I really had a much more holistic mindset But what I realized as I started getting accepted to medical schools, I was like, wow, maybe I could really do medicine and learn medicine so that I could actually transform it and how we look at disease and illness from the inside out. So even going into medicine, I had this heart of a 
much more holistic healer, and also a desire to really do things differently. But I also knew that there was value to this highly reimbursable system in the U.S. right now, um, especially if you have trauma or a car accident or a heart attack or some acute illness, it's great. But what it's not so good at is complex chronic illness and the things that we're seeing more and more today. So all that to say, I got into medical school, was pursuing my dream of becoming a doctor. And all of a sudden, when I was 25 in my third year of medical school, I found a lump in my breast. And to make a long story short, I got a call from the surgeon just a couple of weeks after my biopsy. And she said, Jill, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have aggressive breast cancer at 25. So my life took a very dramatic turn and I had to figure out how to get well and to survive this. And now I'm happy and thriving and doing well almost 20 years after. But at that time, I didn't know if I had six weeks to live or six months or six years. It was very, you know, your mortality is facing you right then and there. And looking back, growing up in the farm, some of the chemicals and things that had endocrine disrupting effects, so hormone-like effects in the body, probably contributed to me getting cancer at such a young age. And then we can go all into detox because I probably had a really impaired detox system genetically that was loaded up with toxic load from chemicals and pesticides and well water and things. And all of these things, among others, led to me getting this diagnosis at a young age. So I kind of fought the battle of my life in the middle of medical school and I overcame breast cancer. And just six months after my breast cancer was you know, in remission, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks the gut. So All that to say, early in life, I got the experience of a healer going through their own healing journey. And I learned so much about the gut, so much about complex chronic disease. And I really learned it not only from the physician perspective, but from a very patient perspective. Yes, completely. There's nothing like a personal experience to really rock things, even though I'm sure that was challenging. It's probably fueled a lot of the things that you ended up learning and the avenues that you went down. And now all the people you're able to help because of that information. And so it's always a blessing in disguise uh, in a lot of ways. And so I'm glad that you overcame that because you are such an educator and have, have unknowingly taught me quite a lot of the things that I know. And so thank you for putting stuff out there because practitioners like myself really look to you for some of these big answers. And I think that's, you You touched on chemicals and I want to start there, I think, because it's such a miss. I think we're starting to talk about it more. You know, people are looking up things like EWG and starting to ask like, what's in my skincare and what's in my personal care? I, I personally go to a gym that you walk in and you just stink of all the Glade plugins and all the smelly things. And I'm trying to talk to the owners of this gym and like, we could switch things up. I would happily pay for this. Like I will help you in this. What are your thoughts on our chemical exposure and and what issues can we have when we're exposed to these on an ongoing basis? Yeah, Leanne, this is the elephant in the room with complex chronic disease. And at the core of functional medicine, it's almost always toxic load and infectious burden. And what happens is the toxins in the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, and the buildings that we live and work and play in are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. And we're constantly getting exposed and most of us unbeknownst. And it's almost like, I would say our toxic load is like the equivalent of being born with a bucket that starts to fill up over our lifetime. And back in 2001, the same year I was diagnosed with cancer, there was a study on cord blood of infants. So babies that were just born, they checked the cord blood for toxic chemicals. And in this study in 2001 in Canada, they found 200 plus chemicals in the cord blood of infants that were born like pristine into the world they shouldn't have a toxic load, right? Well, that was 20 plus years ago that babies were being born into the world with toxic load. So how much worse is it now? And so what happened is this 
toxic load that we're all accumulating, if we're not actively involved in thinking about what we're putting on our body as far as makeup and hair products and cleaning products and all these different things, we're behind the game and we're getting our buckets are filling up. And what happens when they fill and start to spill over the top, our body can no longer bail out that water level, that extra toxic load. And we present with cancer, autoimmunity, and often neurodegenerative diseases. And these are all three increasing exponentially in incidence. Yes, completely. And you've talked a little bit about the bucket. I guess if a listener is new to this topic, they're thinking like, what's the limit? Like, what is the limit of toxins that I can be exposed to on a daily basis? Like, can I have some? Can I have like just a little bit? Or does everyone have a limit to how much they can handle? Or is it individual? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, this is great, Leanne, because we all are born with a different size bucket. And for me, obviously with cancer at 25 and I've had all kinds of other illnesses. I probably was born genetically with a more, a smaller bucket. And you can look at that older man that's 95 and has a cigar in one hand and a a gin and tonic in another. And like, okay, how does he do it? He probably was born with a very large bucket or, or, or we can think of it as capacity for our bodies to unload the daily onslaught of toxins. So then the question is for your listeners, you know, where am I? Am I, is my bucket full? How do I deal with this? First of all, we're all getting exposure every day, everywhere we go, whether it's the glyphosate or Roundup that's sprayed on the lawns that we walk in, or whether it's the uh, water that we drink that might have PFAOs, which are, uh, they're considered forever chemicals. Then in the water supply of Colorado, they found recently that all the water supply was contaminated with these. These are the the things that are like waterproofing for Gore-Tex and Teflon and those materials. And it's now, at least here in Colorado, where I live in all of the water supplies, And the scientists can't even calculate the half-life, which means it's going to be around for many, many, many generations. So some of these things are really hard to get rid of and we're getting exposed. Well, this can be pretty depressing, right? But the deal is, number one, there's different genetics or different backgrounds and different conditions. So each person has a different size bucket, if we think of that analogy. Some of us, like myself, have a much smaller bucket, so it doesn't take as long for me to get overloaded. Some people, like I said, have very, very large buckets and everybody in between. What we need to be doing is thinking about those ways day to day that we can unload some of the water level in our bucket. And there's some very, very simple things because it can get overwhelming and scary and very depressing when we think about toxic load. But I always say start with simple and that would be clean air, clean water, clean food. And we can all do something about that. Clean air, 80% of the environmental toxic load that we get exposed to is in the air that we breathe. And most people are completely unaware because day to day they breathe fine. They can't really tell, but they might have a headache when they wake up or congestion, or they feel kind of sick or more run down easily, or they might have fatigue in the afternoon, or I could name 101 other things that might present with toxic load. So getting good quality air filtration, starting with the air filter in your furnace, getting the highest rating of MERV uh, filtration that you can handle in that furnace filter, making sure you clean your air ducts at home and making sure like you have a standalone HEPA filter with a VOC filter in your bedroom or the place where you sleep. That in particular can really decrease toxic load. A HEPA filter is the particulate matter like spores and dust and fragments and things like that. But the VOC is volatile organic compounds. And these are 2.5 microns and smaller. So things like viruses and mycotoxins and formaldehyde and off-gassing from materials. And that's just as important as the particulate HEPA filter. So something like that in your bedroom can go a long way. Clean water is just making sure you have filtered water or spring water as your main source of drinking. 
And ideally, if you do have reverse osmosis, you want to replace those minerals that are lost in that process. And then clean food, just choosing to, to eat organic, local, whenever possible, without any pesticides, non-GMO. Wild fish is great. You know, some of these things that are super health foods, leafy greens, um, and getting them from the cleanest, most close local source that is possible for you. And all of these things are far more important day to day than going out and buying expensive supplements or getting IV nutrition or things like that. We can do those things, but it starts with the very basics. Yes, completely. You can get very doom and gloom with all of this. So I'm glad that you broke it down quite simply. To delve a little bit deeper into the water part, is it enough to use a Brita filter or a filter on our fridge or should we be going a little bit deeper? You mentioned reverse osmosis a little bit there. I'm assuming you would probably say a whole house filter if you could, or what are some of the inner details of water? And is it is it that important? with the whole water situation. Yes, it's hugely important because even our city, well waters, or not well waters, but the city municipal, sometimes recently there was wildfires last year and continue to be ongoing in Colorado. And with the fires, the contamination of the water system was pretty significant. And I have patients who are having, you know, ulcers on their skin and issues with their mucous membranes, like their mouth and things just because of that contamination. So you can't really even count on city water supplies to be perfect. So what to do? Reverse osmosis is really, really good as far as how well it it filters. Any carbon filtration is also good. Reverse osmosis by nature pulls the minerals. So that's the one caveat is you can get a whole house reverse osmosis filter, which then filters your shower water, your bath water, your cooking water. Whereas if you had a pitcher in your fridge, you might just have the drinking water and your cooking water filtered. But I have a pitcher in my fridge and I think it's a great way to go. I don't think the actual fridge filters or the Brita pitcher, sorry to put them under the bus, are good enough though. You want one that really filters out 200 plus of the known chemicals. I use clearly filtered, but there's 101 other options out there. And then, like I said, the whole house filtration systems are probably your best bet. But if you either have something that remineralizes the water or you take minerals in addition, if you're drinking the RO, RO water is actually very acidic which can take leach minerals from your bones and things. So you want to make sure, like I said, just getting that mineral. Another way to do that is drink mineral water from Europe or some clean location because natural mineral water is a great clean source as well. We know that we lose muscle as we age and that this loss massively affects our ability to function. Like I'm talking basic tasks here. Muscle is important for protecting our joints and also keeping our metabolism revving. Basically, you want muscle. And unfortunately, a lot of us just don't prioritize muscle maintenance or see it as an importance. And you may also be cringing at the idea of going to the gym and being able to maintain that muscle consistently. Yes, active moving is super good, and there's really nothing like it when it comes to the mood boost of pumping iron. (laughs) So when I share about Urolithin A, I am not saying just to do this and you can maintain your muscle without movement. Well, like I am saying that because Urolithin A does do that, but I think pairing Urolithin A with exercise is likely the best path forward. So I started taking a product called MitoPure to boost my performance and improve muscular strength. And MitoPure has 500 milligrams per serving of urolithin A. 
a postbiotic shown to have major benefits to significantly increasing muscle strength and endurance with no other change in lifestyle. Yes, you heard that right. I just said that it has major benefits to significantly increase muscle strength and endurance with no other change to lifestyle. It gives your body the energy it needs to optimize its cellular power grid through boosted mitochondrial health without changes to lifestyle or diet. Now imagine what it could do with your low carb diet and a walking goal or a lifting goal a couple of times per week. It took me a long time, like a couple of months to introduce MitoPure to my day because it's so strong. Every time I took it, I almost had too much energy, so I really had to titrate up. MitoPure is the first product to offer a precise dose of urolithin A to upgrade mitochondrial function, increase cellular energy, and improve muscle strength and endurance. They've created three ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A in their product, MitoPure. They've got a delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. Now this product does contain whey protein. And then they have a berry powder that easily mixes into smoothies or just about any drink. This is dairy free. And finally the soft gels, which is what I prefer because it's just easier. This is also dairy free. I love the starter pack idea though. If you can handle the dairy, the three forms of MitoPure to play around with whey which one is your favorite? Top notch. So Timeline, the creators of MitoPure, is putting together a sweet little offer for you, 10% off your first order. So if you go to timelinenutrition.com slash KDP and use the code KDP, you'll get 10% off your order. Again, that's timelinenutrition.com slash KDP. I recommend trying their starter pack with all three formats and picking out your best format. Again, that's timelinenutrition.com nutrition.com slash KDP. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more. Air quality, food quality, water quality, especially if you think, you know, you, you drink a certain volume or sorry, you eat a certain volume of food every day, but we're drinking so much water and we're exposing our skin, our largest organ to all of that water. So it really is an important factor. I couldn't agree with you more. And you talked a little bit about some of the symptoms that we can experience when we have these issues, but what are some ways that we can start thinking about chemical exposure and maybe linking them to certain symptoms that we're going through? Really, I want the woman that's listening right now to hear maybe some of the things that are going on in their life as relating to needing to look at water quality, food quality, and air quality. Yeah. So uh, first thing, a mental cognition. So memory, focus, concentration, people often use the term brain fog, which is not really a medical term, but it just means, you know, I have more trouble doing the day-to-day task, either remembering details or getting through a project or having focus and concentration to get things done, or even just remembering names of people or faces or details or those kinds of things. So memory and brain are dramatically affected by toxic load, especially mycotoxins, but really any sort of toxic load. Skin is a big one and people want clear, beautiful, young looking skin and acne and breakouts and rashes and and blemishes and things are all very common with toxic load because when our liver is overloaded, a lot of times we see it in the skin. So if you want really, really clean, beautiful, young looking skin, the very first step is detoxification. 
And then this one's going to get a lot of people is weight gain, unexplained weight gain. Of course, it can be thyroid, adrenal hormones, but the biggest factor I think in unexplained weight gain is often toxic load because we know dilution is the solution to pollution. And what that means is our body will naturally try to protect us as we increase our toxic load from exposures by gaining weight, because that will be a dilutional effect on the toxic load in our tissues. So one way of waking is an issue. You can do things like infrared sauna, where you're actually mobilizing the toxins out of your tissues, dry brushing, Epsom salt baths, And really, if I have someone coming in for weight loss as a main issue, maybe it's a woman who's just starting into menopause and all of a sudden they have unexplained 10 or 20 pounds of weight gain despite not changing a thing and maybe even exercising more than normal. And they're like, what is going on? Well, like I said, clearly hormones and thyroid and adrenal can play into this, but a far bigger issue for many women is the toxic load. And there's usually not a lot you can do to lose weight until you first decrease toxic load. Because by the nature of losing pounds and weight, you're going to actually be more toxic because you're taking out that dilutional effect. So it's always important to start with detox before weight loss. Yes, completely. I see this a lot with women who are trying to eat a ketogenic diet and the ketogenic diet by nature is using fat stores as energy. And oftentimes the body will get kicked out of ketosis or will be unable to maintain a state of ketosis. And I really see this as the body protecting itself because we do know that a lot of these components that you're talking about are stored in the fat cells or stored with fat. And so I believe that there is a experience that we can go through when we are eating a ketogenic diet and all of a sudden we start to feel quite terrible that this can actually be a detox reaction to all the chemicals and things that we have exposed to. And so I love that you're talking about how it sounds like diet is not enough of just, if you're, like you said, going to the gym and adjusting your diet and it's not shifting, we need to look at these components. So I couldn't agree with you more. And you mentioned a little bit about how to get it out. You talked about sauna and dry brushing and Epsom salt baths. Are there other ways that we can detox and coming from more of the allopathic realm of of medicine previously, when we talk with our doctors about our liver unable to detox, sometimes we get those weird looks. Like, why is there that disconnect between what you're saying with the liver being involved in detoxification and what my doctor might say, yeah, your liver's fine. It should be able to detox all those chemicals. That's what the liver's made for. What are your thoughts on drainage pathways as it relates to allopathic versus more holistic? Yeah. So in conventional medicine, we are dealing with a disease-based system. So unless the liver is failing or full of fibrosis, like in cirrhosis, or there's acute hepatitis, those are the conditions that are recognized and understood by medicine. But you can have a lot of either liver dysfunction or or just that your liver's working really hard doing what it's supposed to do with detox, and it's not a clinical disease state. We're actually in the realm of healthy functioning, and that's not something that conventional medicine deals with they deal with disease states. And so unless you're, like I said, in liver failure, they're not going to really acknowledge that the liver might have some other spectrum of stress or overwhelm or any of that kind of thing. So when we talk about detox, we're actually going ahead of the trajectory of disease and saying, how can we prevent you from walking down that pathway into a disease and prevent versus just treat a disease? And that's why there's a disconnect because we're talking in the realm of prevention and actually going backwards on that trajectory versus just arriving at a disease state. So what can you do? We talked about um, infrared sauna. What you want to do with the body is 
as we get exposure to the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the food that we eat, and other chemical exposures along the way, including some of them, like we said, that we might have been born with from our cord blood from our mothers, we need to think about mobilizing these toxins out of the tissues first, then they go into the bloodstream, then the liver, which is our filter of the blood, will filter them out, change them into a water-soluble form, excrete them in the bile. Our kidneys can also do the detox work and filter them from the blood as well and excrete that in the urine. And when we sweat, we can also excrete chemicals. So mobilization is the first step. And you can mobilize toxins by increasing glutathione, either taking glutathione or taking precursors or doing IV or nebulized or any form of glutathione. You can also do precursors like N-acetylcysteine, lipoic acid, vitamin C, glycine, glutamine, selenium. And all of these things can contribute to your glutathione production, which is your master detoxifier in the liver, where you transform fat-soluble toxins into water-soluble so that they can be excreted. But the excretion part is the other part of the, the equation. When you mobilize toxins, if you mobilize too quickly, like you gave the example of someone who's losing weight, maybe very rapidly or losing fat, they're mobilizing toxins out of that fat tissue that's getting eliminated. But if they don't know how to excrete them, or if their body is impaired with excretion, they will feel very, very sick and unwell, and they might just gain that weight right back. So the excretion component is even more important. And this is typically things like lymphatic drainage. So lymphatic drainage remedies, dry brushing, castor oil packs, even coffee enemas can be helpful to increase glutathione and increase the excretion of toxic load through the bile and through the enterohepatic circulation, which is that bile excretion through the gut and through the stool. Other things are just getting outside and sweating. Like I said, even infrared sauna, red light therapy, so many different ways that we can mobilize toxins. And it's not always taking supplements, even though those can be helpful. Completely. And some issues that could come up while you're doing this, I would imagine that with women that have gallbladder removal, have you seen this as having issues with this detoxification process because bile is required and we know that sometimes they don't got a lot of that and it's not working overly well? Yeah. So first of all, the fact that they had their gallbladder removed means that there was some either stagnation of the bile, poor production of the bile, inflammation of the gallbladder. So something in that pathway was probably impaired even before because they obviously had that removed for a reason. And then when that gallbladder, the gallbladder is just a storage organ for bile. So they're still going to have a drippage of bile from the common bile duct into the small bowel, even without a gallbladder, but it's not regulated with the meal. And in the small bowel, one of the roles of bile is to sterilize the small bowel so you don't get bacterial overgrowth. So these patients are going to be a little bit more prone to fat malabsorption, fat maldigestion, maybe troubles with either constipation or diarrhea, maybe trouble with fat-soluble nutrient absorption. And then just that sterilization of the small bowel, they might have overgrowth of bacteria, which can impair absorption and increase toxic load from the inside out. So far, we've been talking about external toxins like parabens and phthalates and mold and heavy metals, and I could go on and on, but sometimes we can actually have toxic load from the inside out. If we have overgrowth of bacteria in our gut or yeast in our gut, these organisms produce toxins, even the medications that we take or the hormones, if we're not detoxifying that our body makes, these can all be toxins from within as well. Mm. And you mentioned a little bit on bowel movements. I would imagine, you know, just working with ladies, a lot of them think that a normal cycle of having bowel movements is like every other day or a couple times a week. What are your thoughts on pooping and its importance with this detoxification process? 
Oh, I love Leanne that we're talking about this because um, I, they call me the gut doctor. And of course, we talk about poop a lot. It's important. It's so critical. And it's really important because one of the things that when we're looking at a detox regimen, two of the things we haven't talked about yet, but um, having regular bowel function, which means one or two or more bowel movements every day, normal formed stool is critical even before you start to try to lose weight or detox. Because if you are not having regular daily bowel movements, all of that stool, which is full of toxins and microbial metabolites is sitting in your colon and being reabsorbed into your system. So you're almost guaranteed if you're constipated to have a higher toxic load, it just is what it is. So bowel function eliminating properly is absolutely essential. And the ways that we can enhance that, some very simple things like magnesium citrate, we all need more magnesium. Our soils are depleted and magnesium uh, citrate is a form that helps to move the bowel. So that's a great way to start. Buffered sea powder or caps, the higher the dose, the more you tend to mobilize the stool and you can use buffered sea powder or buffered vitamin C to enhance stool. And then some people do need a gentle laxative that's like senna or um, herbal teas or things that would actually aid in the elimination. But often the, some of the types of bowel overgrowth of bacteria like methane will actually paralyze the peristalsis of the bowels. And that can be one of the reasons why their patients are having slower bowel function. Same with yeast or fungal overgrowth. And so you want to treat that root cause so that they can get normal motility back. Mm-hmm. Completely. So I met this team of people many years ago. It was probably 2014, 15 or so at a conference. And they said, we are making these paleo sticks. They are different than any other meat stick on the market because they are fermented and each stick contains 1 billion CFUs of probiotics. At the time I was living in Canada and I could not get these sticks. I remember Kevin and I loading up our RV and driving to Montana to drive to the owner's parents' house to pick up these sticks. Now, fast forward a whole bunch of years, and these are now the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks. They are my favorite snack. They have been for almost 10 years. I always, always have one in my purse, sometimes two. They are my go-to snack. They're healthful for the gut. They strengthen your immune system. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical, additive dye, preservative-free. Many of the flavors are 100% free of carbohydrates. And the best part, they are absolutely delicious. I am so happy that I took a chance, loaded up my RV, and (laughs) grabbed those sticks. It was like a really long trip. I think it was something like 12 hours of driving to get these things. And I'll never forget the first time I had a whole bag to myself. The flavor is unchanged. The product quality unchanged over all these years. I love my Paleo Valley grass-fed meat sticks. You can head on over to paleovalley.com slash keto and get 15% off your order of their meat sticks. Again, that's paleovalley.com slash keto. Any other issues before we move on? I really want to talk about mycotoxins in a little bit more depth. Any other issues that you see when it comes to overall gut health that you want to mention as we're talking about toxicities? Yeah. So I think um, for your audience in particular, I think it's relevant to talk about the macros in the diet and how it affects the microbiome. I use diet just like you, you've made your platform on keto diet all the time for 
changing metabolism, changing function, changing weight. We know that studies with mice that had like a westernized high fat, high sugar diet, not healthy at all. When they went to a plant-based diet that had, you know, healthy amounts of protein, um, they, within one day, 24 hours, their microbiome changed. So when we talk about diets, one thing I always want to get across, I use diets like keto, like paleo, like all of these different styles, like a low sugar for candida, because in those ways I can manipulate in a, in a really good positive way, the microbiome and the health of the individual. However, it's so easy when we find something that works or we find something that works, but then we start to have reactions to foods to get into a fear-based pattern of eliminating more and more and more foods. And we're left with a very small range of things that we think we can eat. And the more we narrow our diet or get just certain types of macros for long-term, the more we narrow the diversity of our microbiome. And this goes from everything from keto to vegan. It doesn't matter. You, you narrow the, the choice of foods that you eat and you narrow the diversity of the microbiome. So whatever diet you're on, if it's highly restrictive, I do not like to keep people on a highly restrictive diet for the long-term. Now there's caveats, like I will never have gluten or dairy or corn or soy. There's things that I'll never eat. I'm on a mostly paleo diet for life. And I totally believe that's right for me, but I'm constantly pushing that edge and saying, what could I do? Like I, I eat some uh, uh, quinoa now. It's the only grain that I can you know, tolerate, but because what I want is a diverse microbiome because that will help with longevity and resilience to disease. And the more you get pigeonholed into a very, very narrow spectrum for your diet, the more you're going to lose diversity in the gut. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more. Most of the GI maps that I see are from people that eat low carb and nine times out of 10, they have an insufficiency pattern, usually with the keystone bacteria like Acromantia or Fasobacterium, because they're not eating the plants that are feeding those good guys. And mucosal health is so important for our overall gut balance. And so I couldn't agree with you more. I know that I was on that path of being afraid of everything and I was down to maybe 15 foods that were safe. And every time I eat a big old bowl of beans and I'm like, wow, this is fantastic that I can eat these now. I'm reminded of, you know, you don't have to fear the food. And there's this very common message right now of this, you know, plants have lectins and this has that, and that has another thing. And all you need to do is eat X, Y, Z, and that's no way to live. And it does affect the gut long-term. So I, I completely agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, I love that. When it comes to mycotoxins, you mentioned this a little bit. Our audience is a little bit familiar with mold and mycotoxins. We've had a couple of individuals on the show to talk about this. Can you talk a little bit about how they are similar to the chemical pieces that we've been talking about and how they're different than what we've been talking about when it comes to mycotoxins? Sure. So we talked about toxic load and all this, and one of the big ones and one of my favorite topics, because I had exposure and illness and then recovered, is mold and mycotoxins. So often people who come in with a new autoimmune disease or unexplained weight gain or unexplained cognitive decline and memory issues, they don't know it, but underneath the root of this presentation of symptoms is actually a mold exposure and it's insidious because we might look in their home and say, Hey, everything looks well. I don't see visible mold. 90 some percent of people who have a mold exposure in their home do not see visible mold. So it's often hidden. It can be from an old fridge leak line. It could be from a washer leak. It could be from a sump pump. It could be from window extrusion from a storm attic that wasn't properly sealed. And I could go on and on, but typically it's not something that's super obvious. 
And this mold will grow in any porous material. So it might be behind the wall, under a floor. And bit by bit, that mold growth, especially if it's some of the really toxic black molds like Stachybotrys and Gatomium, these molds produce mycotoxins. And that's what we're talking about there. The mycotoxins are these small particulate, like I said, that only like a volatile organic compound equivalent would filter. So they're extremely small. When we inhale them, they literally go right through the alveoli into our bloodstream within seconds. So if we're in a room with mold, we're getting those into our blood almost immediately upon inhalation exposure. And what these mycotoxins do, they have, there's all kinds, there's aflatoxins, ochratoxins, trichosethanes. They all have different properties, but some of them are incredibly immunosuppressive. So we get them in old infections or, or we're just more prone to get ill because our immune system is impaired or other times there is just cognitive decline or other symptoms that are just really affecting our, our ability to think clearly. So all of these things are invisible and they're often affecting us. And like I said, they can drive autoimmunity. They can drive weight gain. They're very insidious. This, I'm sure this topic could overwhelm also, like when we were talking about chemicals and you're like, the entire world is making me sick. I'm just going to build a bubble for myself and never come out. But now we're talking about the home, which is supposed to be this safe place where we go to kind of get away from the world and relax and, you know, this, the safe place. And now we're, we're talking about this. How do we go at this without getting too emotional over it all? Yeah. So I think that empowerment is the, the key, the fact that we have choice and we can figure out what is causing it. And we actually have the ability to reverse that. Mold is a lot of places. And some people say mold is everywhere. I don't think it's everywhere, but it is in a lot of homes and buildings. But the more we know, the more we can create a place that is safe. And I love that you mentioned safety because that's the core part of the reason why maybe we don't want to deal with mold or it feels overwhelming or scary is because it often affects our homes where we sleep and we rest and we should be places of safety. And, and then they aren't, obviously, if there's mold exposure. But the more you're empowered to understand and know, the more you can really do something about it. And there are ways to detox from mold. And one of the first things is making sure you remediate and get rid of that mold exposure. Second thing is just like we talked about enhancing glutathione, the same thing applies for mold exposure. So whatever we can do to enhance glutathione, which increases the liver's ability to excrete it. And then one other thing we use with mold in particular is binders. These are inert substances that bind that bile that holds the toxins in our gut Things like clay, charcoal, chlorella, glycomannins, even prescriptions like Wellcol or cholestyramine. And all of these things can decrease that toxic load from a mold exposure and help us to get back to our baseline. Yes, completely. And I work with a lot of clients and they say, you know, when we moved in this home, I started getting worse. But my husband, I swear, he says that it's all in my head. Nobody else in my home is sick or maybe the kids are sick. but The husband is not or the wife isn't sick and the husband is. How do you explain how people have different reactions to a space that might have mold in it? Yeah. So there's a big genetic component in our ability to excrete and tag these toxins. And about 25% of the population is a little bit impaired in their ability to tag these mycotoxins and tell the body that to excrete them. So they have more trouble excreting them. And then that toxic effect on tissues and receptors causes a cascade of inflammatory events. And of course, post pandemic, we all realized that there was this, you know, cascade of inflammation and cytokines that caused illness. And it's the same pathway. It's the same exact pathway of cytokines and inflammation that can cause illness in patients if it's left unchecked and it's triggered by mycotoxins that are unable to be excreted. So there are people that can be in a moldy environment and can barely tell. And then there's people who get very, very, very sick and they can literally be in the same family. 
Mm -hmm. Completely. One of the gyms that I used to frequent had a water damage situation 24 hours before I entered the gym and I had a pretty strong neurological response, not knowing that there was water damage, recent water damage. And after the event, I'm like, wait, did you guys just have did you guys just have a water leak? And she's like, yes, it happened last night. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I felt, I, I felt that very clearly. And so, yeah, some of us are, you know, the canary in the coal mine, I guess you could say, which is sometimes a blessing, sometimes not so much. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I totally understand that. I was just recently traveling to Orlando several times and one of the hotels had massive mold and immediately I'm like a mold dog. I can always tell where there's been water damage. Yes, which is is good, but oftentimes it means like having to find a new hotel or having to find a new gym or a new home or you know like you're um yeah, but it's good because the air quality to kind of loop back to the beginning of our conversation so so important to make sure that we're in safe spaces. I would love to spend the last little bit of time that we have together just chatting about client testimonials. And we've talked a lot about the nitty gritty of all the things that can be not so great, how to support our bodies through this. But who are a couple of clients that you can remember just coming to you completely helpless? Everyone said that maybe they were getting old or it was just their hormones that they needed to take a certain medication. And through some of these processes with chemicals specifically and working through some of the diagnoses, were you able to address the situation a little bit differently than what perhaps the allopathic doctors were presenting? Yeah. So gosh, there's, uh, I could talk about a lot. I would say that the most common would be like someone with autoimmunity and onset, even as severe as MS, multiple sclerosis, or a woman with unexplained weight gain, 30, 40, 50 pounds, or a young person with new onset arthritis, you know, at, at 12 or 14 or 18. And a lot of these situations, because I deal a lot with mold toxicity turned out to be mold exposure in the home or environment. And then its story is very similar on all of these would be you first find the source and remediate. Once in a while, patients would move. It doesn't, I, I always don't like to be scary because it doesn't mean you have to leave your home. But once in a while, if it's like a foundation issue or if it's so enmeshed in the home that it's going to cost a huge amount of money to remediate, that is an option to leave and get a new home. And some people have done that. But the first step is always to get out of that exposure. The second step is then to do the detox, which we talked about enhancing glutathione supporting the liver and supporting the mobilization and excretion of toxins. And that process can take anywhere from six months up to 18 months or longer. After that, you look at root cause infections. If there's anything we're missing like Epstein-Barr reactivation or Lyme disease or any sort of other infection that was activated when the weakened immune system happened after the mold exposure and treating any of those things or supporting the immune system to recover and come back to normal. And once in a while, in some of those situations, there's also mast cell activation that needs to be dealt with. I always help people deal with limbic activation and childhood trauma because that's a piece of the puzzle. But when we look at all of those pieces, so infectious load, toxic burden, mast cell activation, limbic system, I've seen, you know, complete stabilization to reversal of autoimmunity, including MS. I've seen, you know, weight, weight go right back to normal and increase, um, percent body muscle, decrease percent body fat, fat, and those women that thought they could never lose weight. And for those young people who had arthritis or some autoimmune or, or inflammatory manifestation of this, the, that would literally go away. So what I've seen is curing the incurable and reversing the ir- irreversible, and it's absolutely possible. Yes, completely. 100%. Love it, love it, love it. Where can people find 
more from you if they want to connect with you or read your articles? Where's the best place to go? Thank you, Leanne. You can find me at jillcarnahan.com and there's free, like decades of free blog articles all about mold toxicity, environmental toxicity. So if you want to read or learn more, it's all free. Um, I have my own podcast there too. You can jump on. And if you haven't got a copy of my new book called Unexpected, it is out and really details my own journey through all the stuff we talked about today. And if you want to learn more, you can find that on my website as well. Beautiful. Wonderful. Thank you for all those articles. I'm pretty sure I've read absolutely every single one. So (laughs) I can attest that they are fantastic and so educational. Thanks again for coming on the show. It was wonderful to get to learn from you. And thanks for being here. You're welcome, Leanne. Thanks for having me. You can find more from Jill by going to jillcarnahan.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back here next Tuesday for another episode. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 